I want to welcome you into the Sunday Preaching Podcast of the Point Church, located in beautiful Perdido Key, Florida. I'm Tim Coleman, the senior pastor, and we believe strongly in the expositional preaching of God's Word that builds our faith and grows us up in Christ. I'm glad you're either downloading the sermon or listening live to our service, and I pray that this message is a help to you on your journey of faith. Now join me as we get to the point. Easter Sunday, would you grab your Bible, your tablet, your phone, and go with me to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, as I prayed about today and what passage the Lord would have me to go to, I landed on these verses, uh, chapter 3, verses 7 through 11, and what the Apostle Paul has to say about the resurrection in his own life. I want to, just for a minute, talk to you on why Easter matters. Why Easter today matters. The resurrection was over 2,000 years ago. But why does it matter today? Paul wrote in this chapter about what the Lord did in his life. He was not a believer. He was a very religious man, a religious zealot. Uh, who was on his way to Damascus, of course, to stamp out Christianity as a threat uh, against Judaism. And the Lord just smacked him down right in the middle of the road and changed his life. And he went from being a Christian hater uh, to being a missionary, pastor, and church planner who wrote the majority of the New Testament for us. He's writing here about his own testimony and his own life. Look in verse 7 of Philippians chapter 3. He said, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Notice particularly verse 10 and 11, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him In his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So notice Paul mentions the resurrection in verse number 10, where he says, I want to know him and the power of the resurrection. And then he says in verse number 11 that there is a future resurrection, there is a resurrection out in front of us that he wants to experience as well. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for this passage. Thank you for Paul and what he has to say here and how relevant and what fresh bread it is for our souls today. So as we look at this for just a moment and we ponder the resurrection, I pray that you will afresh and anew move us at that great event when Jesus stood up and walked out of the tomb. I want to pray for anyone anyone that might be in the service today who is not a Christian, uh, who has not accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. I pray that 
as I deliver this message, this thought, I pray that it would speak to them, and I pray that your Holy Spirit would draw them to Christ, draw them to the cross. Show us crystal clear today why Easter matters, why this day is important. I pray for Christians that are living their Christian life and they're feeling defeated or knocked down or or they're feeling worthless or that they're not making progress in their Christian life. I pray that afresh and anew they would see the power of the resurrection in their life. So Holy Spirit, cleanse my hands, purify my heart. I give myself totally to you. May I uh, give this message in clarity and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray this in Jesus' name, God's people said. The Bible is such a, a wonderful, wonderful companion for our lives. It says that it is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. The Bible reveals God. The fall of man, Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God. The Bible reveals God's plan for salvation, and it also reveals His plan and His purposes through the ages. If you've read through your Bible, uh, some of the stories are just incredible, and, and I would add that the stories in this book, uh, they are better than any movie a man could make. Can I get a witness right there? It's a powerful book. Theodore Roosevelt said that a thorough knowledge of the Bible is more valuable than a college education. Ronald Reagan said between the covers of this book are the answers to all of the problems that men face. I suggest that today the world needs more of the Bible and not less. G.K. Chesterton is a British scholar from the 19, early 1900s, and he said in 1920 that the world is always wobbling. It's always wobbling. And what he meant by that is that there's always some good things going on, and there's always some bad things going on. Now, there's certain seasons of life where it feels like everything is bad. You ever feel that way? How about these last couple years? Has it felt like the world's wobbling? Good days and bad days. And he said that while the world is wobbling, there is something that remains consistent. Something that remains steady and sure. And it is the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus Christ. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And He set in motion His plan and His purposes for the ages. I believe that we have a sovereign God today. And our God is not wringing His hands. He's not worried. Just hear me today. God has not lost control of the world. He does not have a day of discovery. He's not like you and me. He doesn't get up in the morning and, you know, read the newspaper and drink a couple of cups of coffee and think about what might happen that day. Because he's omniscient, he knows everything, and friends, he has it all planned out. Including 2,000 years ago, when Jesus rode that donkey into Jerusalem. That was not an accident, it was all planned out. Good Friday that we celebrated this uh, last week, on Friday night, our services here, being together at the cross and, and taking communion, it was 
all planned out. The cross of Jesus Christ was necessary. The Lamb of God, slain from the foundations of the world. Jesus had to go to the cross and die so that we could be saved and forgiven of our sins. The blood of Jesus Christ was necessary. Without the shedding of his blood, there would be no forgiveness of sins. But what about the resurrection? Think about that for just a minute with me. Was it necessary? Did Jesus have to get up? Did he have to stand up and walk out of that tomb on Easter Sunday in order to be the true Savior and Redeemer of the world? Some would say that his, his death and his blood was enough. But I suggest to you that's not what the Bible teaches. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not only his death and his burial, but it includes the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's been through the centuries a lot of talk, a lot of writing, a lot of chatter, a lot of debate about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and I just want to boldly declare on this Resurrection Sunday to you that as not only a pastor of a Bible-believing church, but as a Christian who was saved when I was 13 years old, and I certainly did not know then what I know now. I'm not a lot smarter, but I'm a little bit smarter. I've learned a little bit more about the Bible, and I want you to know, the older I get, the more I read, and the more I study, I am absolutely convinced, and you will not shake me away from my belief that on the third day, Jesus rose from the grave. doesn't matter what a scientist says. It doesn't matter what a historian writes. It doesn't matter what new article comes out in the paper. I believe Jesus rose from the grave. Now the question for us right now in real time, 2022, is okay, he rose from the grave, but why does that matter? Why does that matter right now? I want to give you a couple things and I'll be done, all right? The reason it matters, first of all, is because it confirms that God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. If God says, this is going to happen, friends, you can be sure it's going to happen. When I was growing up in church, we used to say, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. And then I heard an older lady one day correct someone, and she told them, no, you've got it wrong. God said it, and that settles it. It doesn't matter if you believe it or not. And that's the truth. God said it, and that settles it. If God says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And Paul believed that. He was a witness, of course. He was an apostle. And Paul knew that the resurrection was a fact. He does not say in the text I read for you, allegedly there was a resurrection. He did not say sources are saying, rumors are flying that this happened. No, Paul knew that Jesus fulfilled the promise of the Father on God's eternal calendar when he rose from the grave. Two examples of God keeping his promise. I love Psalm chapter 16. As a matter of fact, I went back in my notes. Last Easter, I preached from Psalm 16. It's called a messianic psalm where David is writing 
hundreds of years before the time of Christ about his own life, but he is writing prophetically. He's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he says, makes this statement. He writes, God will not leave the Holy One in Sheol. God the Father will not leave, capital H, Holy One, will not leave him in the grave. What is David seeing there? What is David writing? He's saying the Father is not going to leave his son, Jesus, in the grave. Jesus will die. He will be placed in the grave, but he will not stay there. Jesus kept his promise. <laughs> On the third day, he got up and he rose again. Now, I believe with all my heart, you won't shake me on this. I mentioned last Sunday, a new study came out that 30% of people that attend evangelical churches do not believe that Jesus is God. I believe Jesus is God. I believe when he came to this earth, he was 100% man. He was in the flesh 100% in a human body. At the same time, he was 100% God. He never relinquished his Godhead. Jesus is God. And let me tell you what God said in his life and ministry here. He looked at his disciples and he said, I'm about to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be spat upon. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to die. But on the third day, I will rise again. Now hear me today, if Jesus did not rise from the grave, if there were no resurrection, he is a liar and a fraud. And we know that he's not, because he did exactly what he said he will do. Why Easter matters? I'll tell you why. Because it shows us that God keeps his promise. 1995, there was a hit piece that showed up on the front pages of the L.A. Times by a group of scholars who I believe are ever learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Uh, how many of you know I'm just a simple country boy from Alabama? Sometimes as you get smarter, you can get dumber. They're always trying to look at the Bible and pick it apart. There's a group called the Jesus Seminar that gets together twice a year and their whole goal, about 74 scholars, they sit down and they try to pick apart the Bible and try to say how certain sections of it, there's no way scientifically or historically that it could ever be true. And so they had met in 1995 and the, the title of the article was Scholars Cite a Lack of Resurrection Evidence. Now, as I read that title, it makes me think of Genesis chapter 3 when the serpent slithered up to Adam and Eve. And what did he say to them? Did God really say this? Did God really say this? What did he do? He, he's casting doubt on what God has said. And friend, I want you to know the enemy is still alive and at work today. He's still slithering up. To men and women. He's still prompting scholars and authors to cast doubt and to throw questions about the resurrection. But I have news for you today. The evidence is there. The evidence is clear. The evidence is overwhelming that Jesus rose from the grave. I just believe there are a lot of people who are working really, really hard and they're really trying too hard not to see it. Because it's there.
Your Bible says the natural man does not understand the things of God, neither can he. And I would add to that, neither does he want to in many cases. But the fact is the fact. Jesus rose from the grave. It matters because God keeps his promises. Number two, Easter matters because it is the final part of salvation. It's the final piece. We say the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Some would say Jesus died. That's sufficient. His blood cleanses us from our sin. That's all we need. That's the gospel. And I would say to that, oh no, oh no. That's not the rest of the story. And I think the Apostle Paul, who wrote Philippians 3, 7 through 11, would chime in here as well and say, oh no, because he was writing in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 14, and this is what he said about our belief in the resurrection. He said, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. If Jesus did not rise from the grave, then all I'm doing right now is blowing hot air. That's what he says. It's in vain. And how about this? You would call yourself a Christian and it would all be in vain if it were not for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He goes on in verse number 17 to say, And if Christ, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. That word there means it's useless, it's worthless, it's empty, it's fruitless. And most importantly, you are still in your sins. Jesus would not be who he said he was about himself if he did not conquer death, hell, and the grave. We would still be in our sins. If there were no resurrection, anybody in the room today with thanksgiving in your heart can say, I've experienced the resurrection because I've been forgiven of my sins. Don't Y'all calm down. Don't get too excited, all right? I mean, you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. You felt the power of the blood. You felt the power of the resurrection. Paul said you would never experience that if it were not for the resurrection. Let me just real quickly say this. One of the greatest proofs that the resurrection is true is all of the people that saw Jesus, encountered him, experienced him, and their life was radically changed after the resurrection. Man, I'm so glad today that I'm a testimony of being changed by his grace. Is that your testimony? The resurrection matters. It matters because it's the final step of the salvation story. Let me quickly move on and say that... Easter matters because we need resurrection power today. Now notice verse number 10 uh, in the text. Verse number 10, Paul says, That I may know Him. That I may know Jesus. I mentioned a minute ago that he writes this as a Christian. He's been born again. His life is radically changed. But then he says, And, and, the power of his resurrection. Here's what that tells me. You can know Jesus and not live in the power of his resurrection. Now, why did, why did Paul want to know the power of his resurrection? Well, he goes on to say that I may share in his sufferings becoming like him in his death. When Paul writes this letter, he's not laying at Johnson's Beach sipping lemonade. 
He's under house arrest. As a matter of fact, Paul is incarcerated. He's been arrested. Why? Not because he had committed any crimes in society and stolen anything or had killed anyone. No, he was in prison because he did cause a ruckus. <laughs> because he declared the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the rest of the story for his life is that he's going to be a martyr. He's going to die for his Christian faith. And he's feeling the pressure and the tension of this. And he says, if I'm going to make it through this, if I'm going to be who Jesus wants me to be, if I'm going to live out the testimony of faith, I need the power of his resurrection in my life. Here's what Paul knew. He knew that the call to follow Jesus was a call to suffering. In other words, it's going to cost you something to follow Jesus. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German pastor back during Nazi Germany, who was martyred for his faith, he was actually strangled with piano strings because he just boldly declared the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said that we must always be careful about offering a cheap grace in the church. A cheap grace. A grace that says, come to Jesus and it won't cost you anything. Come to Jesus and you'll not suffer. Come to Jesus and life will be the beach and banana splits and all your problems will go away. Friends, that's not the gospel of the word. The gospel of the word is that when you come to Jesus, Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, Jesus said, come to me. If any man will come after me, let him take up his cross and follow me. Take up your cross means you're going to suffer. You're going to go through hard times, difficult times. On this Easter Sunday in our, all these services we've had today, I could tell you stories of people that are going through hard times, going through some difficulties. I think about our brothers and sisters who are literally suffering right now. I mentioned on Friday night a North Korean young man, college student this week, who was snatched away. His whereabouts are unknown. His family doesn't know where he's at. He came to faith in Jesus Christ, was attending a safe house Bible study. The government found out, and now nobody knows where he is. Over 100 of his family members have been thrown into labor uh, camps in North Korea because of their connection and affiliation with Christianity. We don't know anything about that, do we? Do we? We're free to be here today. We're free to serve the Lord we do feel the pressure somewhat. And on top of the fact that we, we're going through difficult days and the world is pressing down on us, and if we're going to move forward and advance the kingdom of God, we are going to have to live in resurrection power. Resurrection power. Adam Clark was writing about the suffering of the Lord and our suffering as Christians, and he said he suffered, Jesus suffered but not on account of any evil he had either done or said, in deed or word, he was immaculate, and yet he was exposed to suffering. And we should expect the same, and when it comes, bear it in the same spirit. Friends, we need resurrection power to have the right spirit and to stay faithful to our Lord in these days, in this life. I have learned, and I hope you have too, that I can't do this on my own. 
I can't live the Christian life in my own flesh and in my own power. But I need the resurrection power of Jesus Christ to overcome in this world. Easter matters. Easter matters because we need resurrection power today. Let me give you the last thing. Easter matters because Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. Look at verse number 11, would you, for just a second? Paul said that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Now, what does he mean by that? He is not, he's not doubting that Jesus is going to come again. And I believe he's not doubting that if he dies, God's just going to leave him in the grave. He knows that Jesus is coming again. I think there's two things going on here. He doesn't know whether or not Jesus is going to come back in his life before he dies. And I think secondly, there is a spirit and an attitude of humility that he has in his heart. That God saved a wretch like him. And he's not going to leave him in that grave. Today we think about resurrection. We think about our salvation. Ephesians chapter 2. Paul said that we're all dead in our trespasses and sin. But we're made alive through Jesus Christ. Spiritually speaking, we can't be made alive unless our Savior came back from the tomb. Amen. But also we think about those that have gone before us. You know, Easter is a, is a family day. I'm glad we've got... Uh, our kids here with the exception of Andrew with us and we're going to spend some time together this afternoon and we think about our our families uh, members that have gone before us and we've buried them there in the cemetery and there's always been this question of what's going to happen with them in the future and Paul is saying here there is going to be a resurrection of the dead that graves are going to burst open and I've got good news today Death does not have the final word. If you're a Christian, death does not have the final word. I love what the old uh, Puritan preacher said. He said, there is the death of death in the death of Jesus. The death of death. Doesn't that sound good? There's coming a day when death will be no more. When's that going to happen, Pastor? I'll tell you, Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. He rose from the grave. He made several appearances. He gathered his disciples up. He gave them their mission to go and spread the good news. And then, on the 40th day, Jesus ascended back into heaven. And the scripture says, he's now seated at the right hand of the Father. And the next event on God's calendar is this. Son, go get my children and bring them home. I be, listen, I believe it. I believe it with all my heart. I believe Jesus is coming again. And here's what I know. I know that if we knew this was our last Easter, we'd live a whole lot differently in the days and weeks ahead. If we knew that Jesus was coming back today before midnight, I promise you the rest of our day would look a lot different. Heard a lady several years ago. She said, Man, I wish I knew. I wish I knew when the Lord was coming back. Because if I knew the time, I'd just go run up all my credit cards and I wouldn't worry about it. Don't worry about it. 
Some people think, man, if I could just have 30 minutes or if I could have an hour, you know, to know I'd get everything in order. And that's not the way God designed it. God designed it for us to do our best every day to live in light of the imminent return of Jesus Christ, that he is coming again. Let me show you one verse in the Old Testament, can I? And I'll wrap it up. I love reading through the Old Testament, and, and you'll be reading along, and then all of a sudden you'll find yourself up on a knob or a hill where you're looking into the future, literally centuries ahead, and you can see Jesus. Isaiah 53 is one of those passages that we were in on Friday night, the suffering Savior, as we look forward to Calvary. There's a passage in the book of Job, uh, the oldest book in the Bible, an ancient book with so much in it. Job went through so much suffering and hardship and difficulty, and he's being pressed upon uh, by his friends. And he's, and he's dealing and he's wanting to be vindicated, dealing with those emotions. And under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God allowed Job to, to look at his life and to look at the future and to ponder, no matter what happens to me, I know the rest of the story. And in Job chapter 19 and verse 25, this is what he wrote. Let it bless your socks off this morning. He wrote, for I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last, he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, in other words, when I die and when I decay and I pass off the scene, I know there's coming a day that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. My heart faints within me. Church, that was Jesus in the Old Testament in the book of Job. Who is the Redeemer? Who is the Redeemer? It is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who died, he was buried, and he rose again. And Job wrote, there is coming a day when he is going to place his feet once again on this earth, and our eyes will see him. Oh, what a day. What a glorious day that's going to be. The only question that really matters today is not what you're going to do this afternoon or what we're going to eat for lunch. Those are important, by the way. The only thing that's really important right now in this moment is if Jesus comes back today, are you ready? Do you know him? Do you know him? Let me say this. When Paul said that I may know him, Paul was not saying that I might familiarize myself with Jesus. He was not saying that I may know the doctrinal teaching of the great prophet and the teacher Jesus. He was not saying that I may be able to recite a list of moralities from the teachings of Jesus. Paul was saying that I may know Jesus. Jesus. So I ask you today, do you know him? Do you know him in a personal way? Do you have a personal relationship with Christ? I didn't ask you if you've taken communion. I didn't ask you if you've been baptized. I didn't ask you if you 
have been christened. I didn't ask you if you can quote catechisms. I didn't ask you a lot of things. I'm asking you, lay all that aside for just a minute. Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Has there been a time where you have acknowledged that you're a sinner? You have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. You have confessed your sin and confessed Him as Lord. That, that you look at Jesus today not just as an acquaintance that you run to in times of trouble. Thank God He's always there. But you look at Him as the Savior and the Lord of your life. If the trumpet sounded and Jesus came today, would you say, that's Him. I've been waiting on Him. I've been wanting to see Him. Just like Job said, my eyes will behold nobody else, but my eyes will behold him. Now's the moment to get ready. Now's the moment to be prepared. This Easter is a little bit different for us in our house. Uh, our son, Andrew, y'all have heard me mention him a couple times in the last few weeks. He is at Fort uh, Lewis in Tacoma, Washington, and uh, serving in the military and so hopefully today, they're about two hours behind us, but hopefully today he'll find his way to the chapel and go to church today on Easter Sunday. But uh, watching videos online now are, uh, of reunions of military families are just a little bit different for me. Uh, as you see families reunite, y'all have watched those, right? Don't you, don't you enjoy watching them? You know, I saw one the other day and this uh, teacher was in the classroom and the kids were all in their desk and... They were doing this demonstration, and this man walked in the room, had all his fatigues on, had a gas mask on, right? And he's standing up, and, and someone's describing the mask and describing, you know, what you do in the midst of war and so forth. And the teacher points back to a, to a young boy in the class and, and calls him up there, come, come on up here for the demonstration. And, and the boy walks up, and he's standing right in front of the man, and he has no idea that it's his dad. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? When dad reaches up and just takes that mask off and there's that moment of revelation. I've seen some where they're like at a sporting event and either mom or dad is, a, is an umpire or they've got a helmet on or something, you know, and, and totally, totally not expecting a boy or a girl thinking mom or dad is on the other side of the world and they're standing right beside them. And then that moment, that embrace, those tears, that joy of being put back together. Oh, how awesome it is to see. Friends, there's coming a day. There's coming a day when Jesus is going to reveal himself. The Bible says he's going to step out. He's going to land on the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem. He's going to walk through the eastern gate into the city. He's coming back. He's coming back. And oh, what a day, glorious day that's going to be when I see my Savior face to face for the first time. And you know what else is going to happen? All my loved ones that have gone before me, that have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, those graves are going to open up, and we're going to be caught up, we're going to be reunited, and forever we will be with the Lord. The only thing that matters right now is, are you ready for that moment? Because if you're not, if you're not, there's going to be no joy, no joy when the trumpet sounds. The Bible says there's two places that we spend eternity. One's a place called heaven, one's a place called hell, a lake of fire. Who goes to hell? I'm not excited about this. I'm not happy about this. But 
God said it. It's in the Bible. If you reject Christ as your Lord and Savior, there is no comfortable, cushy place to go and spend all eternity. There is a lake of fire, a place called hell, where you'll spend eternity. That's why today, if you don't know Christ, the verse in the book of Hebrews should mean so much to you. Today, 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 if you hear His voice, today, if you have the opportunity, do not harden your heart. Say yes to Jesus. And you can experience resurrection in your heart and in your life. Would you bow your head with me?